welcome to the City Point Church podcast. Thanks for joining us. Every day is an opportunity to take hold of. So we hope this message inspires you and builds your faith, that it helps you have more of a God perspective for your day. Enjoy. I'm a little bit excited to preach this morning because uh, this is the first time I am preaching this year (laughs) post three miraculous healings. The last time I actually brought the word uh, this year was, I think, in February, and I spoke about how we grow in maturity in Christ and the different stages of this, but then stepped into a journey I didn't foresee this year of walking a cancer journey, but this morning, I am able to stand on a platform and declare the goodness of God not once, but three times. Because in the midst of the craziness that that journey brought, God touched my body and healed something I had been suffering with for 18 months. Do you know, I have to declare this morning that there is nothing impossible for God if you would dare to believe it this morning. That is the title of my message, but I'm not going to say it as there is nothing. I'm going to pose it as a question to us this morning, because the truth is, is along this journey, I had to look at this passage of Scripture and ask myself. I had to question my faith and say, is there anything that is impossible for God? Is there anything that is too hard for the Lord? Now, we can answer that, and in all honesty, prior to this journey, I, like most good Christian girls, would have 100% just easily said, no. And yet, as I reflect on the time that I have just done, I can see a pattern of behavior that although I know in whom I should trust and I know who is faithful to his word, I have found myself often in a place where I have believed that many things were impossible, even for God. And I'm wondering this morning if you are facing a seemingly impossible situation in your life. Is there an apparently irretrievable breakdown in a relationship with a family member or friend? Is there a serious health diagnosis or issue that you have suffered with for a long, long time? Is Is there an absolutely impossible situation in your job or in your business right now? Is there a habit? Is there an addiction? that you are finding impossible to break. Whatever challenges you might be facing, nothing is impossible for God. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. You know, I've got a mic on my head and a mic in my hand for a reason because I'm messing with our tech team this morning. I'm going to come off the platform and one would have gave you a real good wake-up call if I came down through our speakers, so... Last week, for those of you who who are here, 
We took a moment as a part of our Faith, Love and Hope, which is like a seed breakthrough offering Sunday for those of you who've never participated in this before. We took a moment in the service to articulate on prayer and praise cards things that the Lord had done that were seemingly impossible, but we're now seeing in our lives. But we are also articulating on this cross things that we do think are impossible without God. The reason I'm preaching the message today and not last Sunday, though, was because before last Sunday as I was prepping on what I would put down on my card, I I noticed that what I was placing on my prayer request was probably fairly identical to the prayer request that was there the year before and the year before that and the year before that and the year before that. And as I reread my prayer request, I noticed that these were really big things in my life. But I also noticed that they were things that I was working hard to solve in my own strength. Secondly, they were things I did deem possible for God. Things that I went, I have seen this done before in my life or others, and so I can put my trust in you in this area. But as I sat in the service last week and Gray was bringing the word, the Holy Spirit started to bring things to mind that I have never articulated or had the faith to believe that he would make a way for. And I want to challenge us this morning. I wonder how many of us are in that situation. I wonder how many of us may have received a horrific diagnosis for something that is absolutely present right now, but have suffered for a long time with something underneath, that you've never had the faith to go, Actually, I've been sorting this on my own. And I need to put my trust in somebody who can do the impossible. I wonder if there is anybody here this morning who has a fractured relationship with a family member or friend that it's time to go, actually, I believe that God is the God of the impossible and that his plan and his design for us was restoration. It was to come together in communion with forgiveness and wholeness and completeness and perfection. I wonder how many of us are sitting in places of such such, uh, crippling debt, but we're just worried about the present bill that's in, on our kitchen bench or on the fridge right now. But behind the scenes, there has been an underlying history of such need, lack, poverty, desperation, that we've not yet had the boldness or the faith to articulate and say, actually, Lord, I need freedom in this area. I need deliverance from this space, but I'm not just seeking rescue from my present. I'm seeking wholeness in this area of my life. 
And so I want to challenge us today as I share this word from an incredible man of faith, uh, a man in the Bible that is attributed to being the father of faith. I want to share a word this morning, and I'm going to challenge each and every one of us to have a think, for those who were here last week, to have a think about what you had the faith for to put on the cross. And for those of you who haven't activated this, what you're going to put on the cross today. Because at the end of this message today, I'm going to give everybody the opportunity to put on paper afresh something or multiple things that you've not had the faith yet to articulate and put in the hands of God. Because what I know is that my God is the God of the impossible. And so this morning, as I jump into this message, I'm going to ask that you come with me the old school way. If you've got a Bible, we're going to open it up. And if you've got an iPhone, you can open that up. And we're going to go to Genesis, which for those of you who are just starting this today, you can jump onto an app in your phone called YouVersion. It is an amazing Bible with so many free versions. We're going to jump into the first book of the Bible, uh, the book of Genesis, And we're going to chat about a guy called Abraham this morning. Do you know the story of Abraham in a a really short paraphrased uh, part before I jump into the passage that I'm going to read shortly from Genesis 17 for those who'd love to follow along, uh, is about this amazing man and he's uh, at the time of where I'm going to read from, he's 100 years old, his wife Sarah is 90 years old. Uh, And God has promised them a son. Now, at this time, they have no heirs. Abraham is a very wealthy man. God has given him and blessed him a lot, but he has no heirs, no son. And in that time, for Sarai, his wife... Uh, This was a thing of shame, a huge area of shame. She would have found herself hiding or away from community because of the shame of this in her uh, world. So in effect, to what they were walking in their world, and the truth is, is I agree with their logic, I would say that these two would declare this particular thing, particularly at this stage of their life at 190 they would declare it impossible. Does anybody agree with that logic this morning? For those who go, I like the logic of this. The way of children has been gone from Sarah for a long time. She is 90 years old. Do we have any 90-year-olds in the building today? None. Anybody in their 80s? 80s, we have one. Joan, would you like a baby in the next 12 months? No. Okay. That was a simple answer and question, all right? So there are 100 and there are 90, and God is saying, I will give you a son. To them, this seems absolutely impossible. So I want us to land on this thought today as we go through this message. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? You're right. No, there is nothing impossible for God. In Genesis 17, verse 1 to 9, I'm going to read this through quickly. It says, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, 
I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. I told the team I would drop the mic here. Are you ready for that? Amazing. All right. That I would make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face and God said to him, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make you into nations and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojourning, the land where you dwell, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession and I will be their God And God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. In this passage, it might seem a little bit repetitive. I'm going to get to why shortly. Yes, that passage feels like it repeats itself. But right here, this is actually the second time that God is speaking to Abraham about this covenant and the promise attached to the covenant here. This is what I'd love to share or have us uh, catch this morning, that when we come into covenant with God, when we are hoping for the impossible to become possible, it is not just a promise fulfilled that is what God is doing or talking to us about. It is about the covenant that we have made with him and the covenant we are doing in return. This is actually one of the key parts of this passage that often I've found I've read straight over. I've read about the land he is going to possess, the the fact that he is going to be the father of nations, the blessing and the favor on Abraham's life. However, I've often missed and rolled over the most important part of this passage where God says a huge challenge. He sets this huge challenge before Abraham saying, I am God Almighty, walk before me faithfully and blameless. This is the covenant. The land is not the covenant. The sun is not the covenant. The breakthrough is not the covenant. The miracle of healing is not the covenant. The wealth and the provision is not the covenant. Walk before me and be found faithful and blameless is the covenant that God makes with Abraham. And then he says, and not just you, but your children and their children. If you would walk before me and be found faithful and blameless in my sight, then I will fulfill a promise. Then I will move and do the impossible in your world. Before he does this to Abraham, he is living in a land occupied by many. 
He is not a huge landowner or a wealthy man. He is pulled out of a city and told to go in faith. And at the first mention of this covenant, when God says, come into covenant with me, the reason Abraham is known for those of you who have followed faith for a while as a man or the father of faith is because in the first mention of this covenant, he said, the Bible says, and Abraham believed God at his word. That's it. Nothing else. It didn't say he did any great thing. It didn't say some miraculous thing happened. It just said, and Abraham believed God at his word. But what I want to highlight here is that God makes a covenant with Abraham. He promises him the land of Canaan and also that many descendants and nations will come from him. This promise is highlighted by God in the name change from Abram to Abraham. For the meaning of Abraham means father of many nations. And God also changes his wife Sarai's name, name to Sarah which means the mother of many nations. But this covenant between God and Abraham was not one-sided. It was not simply God giving Abraham the desires of his heart or what he needed. It begins with, both for Abraham and for us, walk before me, be found faithful and blameless in my sight. How do we do this? We have to choose a blameless life. We have to choose to walk on the straight and narrow. The, the road for us when we choose to be blameless before the Lord is not wide with a million choices of freedom. It is narrow, but it leads to life. On the narrow road, there is no room for pride, dishonesty, anger, Hatred of another or unforgiveness. Humility is the order of the day. We have to give, we have to pray, we have to exercise self-control, and we have to seek first the kingdom of God in everything we do. It's a road of purity, it's a road of integrity, it's a road of honesty, and it's a road of forgiveness. It is a road where we are required to do to others what we would have them do to you. You are to produce good fruit on this road by your character, your lifestyle, your words, your actions, your influence, and your relationships. Walking blameless actually is impossible for us to do. This is why I love Abraham and Sarah's story. At the first mention of the covenant, Abraham believed God at his word. He didn't believe God at his word for the covenant between them. He believed God at his word for the promise fulfilled. And the rest of his journey and Sarah's journey was God dealing with the covenant exchange. Do you know, in the next couple of chapters, we're going to unpack where God has to come back and remind them of the covenant that he's made with them. And he has to remind them of the covenant because we are so easily led astray. To be found blameless is not to be found perfect. It means to be surrendering and repenting and to be letting go 
of sinful behaviors and stepping into godly character and following his ways with every step that we possibly can. We have to resist temptations. Jesus never told us to withdraw from this world. The challenge was to be in the world, but not of it. We are called to resist the temptations of this world all around us. The book of Proverbs gives us a practical, some practical advice on how to achieve that. It says, do not let others entice you into sin. If bad companies tempt you, don't go along with them. If they say, come along with us, don't give in to them. Do you know when Nikki Gumbel, who is the developer of Alpha Crusa courses, which many of you will have done, uh, teaching you about the foundations of how to follow Jesus with your life, when he was practicing as a barrister, he noticed just how many people who were found in his courtroom were led into crime by others saying to them, come along with us, you'll be fine. Come along with us. Everybody's doing it. Don't be enticed into sin by the fact that everybody else seems to be doing it and getting away with it. Don't be getting drunk. Don't be taking drugs. Don't be shoplifting. Don't be cheating. Don't be having sex outside of the covenant of marriage. Don't be declaring your welfare or your business income as different to what it is. Be found honest and blameless before the Lord. Each, how, to, how do we be found blameless before the Lord? It's each moment and each decision going, as I declare and report today in my MyGov app, I'm going to declare exactly what I've made. When I drive down Morayfield Road, I'm going to do the speed limit. It's found in every moment. You laugh, but it's found in every moment. And you know, the closer you draw, to God, draw near to God, he's going to challenge you on the little things that you have followed the way of the world, been in the world, but not of it. For a very long time, because I've driven for a very long time, most people who would know me would know me as a lead foot. I have somewhere to be now. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit has challenged me while we've been training our son when I've got to pass this on to the next generation. He's been challenging me so that I can teach with integrity how he should treat all of you on the road. <laughs> I wonder if this morning we could step into new levels, new levels of blamelessness, new levels of integrity, new levels of honesty, new levels of, of righteousness. This is what God was asking of Abraham. Would you step into a life of following righteousness and following my ways for it leads to life? It leads to life. Don't follow the crowd. Don't set foot on their path. Something is not acceptable just because others are doing it. I can't justify my actions on the basis that it's the way the world works today. In the end, if your feet rush into sin or you go after ill-gotten gain, it takes away your life. 
That's what Proverbs says. But God's design for each and every one of us is to see the impossible happen in our worlds. And so he's saying as a reminder today, would you, would you walk before me blameless? Would you walk before me blameless? Would you be found faithful, found faithful, stepping in integrity? Between a promise from God and the fulfillment of it, there is always the testing of the covenant you have made with God. There is always the shaping of your character, the strengthening of our faith. Will we be found faithful and walking blameless before our God? This was the covenant made between Abraham and God. Not the breakthrough part, not the promise part, the faithfulness and the blameless part. This is the covenant. That's why God made a point to remind Abraham over and over of the covenant between them. And each time he did, he also reminded him of the promise attached to that covenant. He reminded him of the life that was promised when, it, when he came into covenant. He confirmed it time and time again. And you can expect God to speak to you about major matters in your life and confirm them over and over again because they are important to him for your life to go into life. Why do we need to be reminded of the covenant that we have with God so often? It's not simply because we've forgotten. I, I haven't had many days where I've forgotten that there is a God I serve. There's not been many days that I have forgotten that I have given my heart to him and he is my savior. All right, there's not been many days it's not simply because we forget the covenant. More often, I think it's because we act the same way Abraham and Sarah did when they heard the promise attached to the covenant with God. When we don't trust God and believe that he can do the impossible in our lives, we usually act and respond like they did in this passage. Number one, we try to make it happen in our own strength. We're going to jump to Genesis 16, verse 1 to 3. After the covenant made with Abraham, this is what happens. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Had the Lord prevented or had he promised she would bear a son? His word had already been spoken over her life. But she says, the Lord has prevented me of having any uh, bearing children. So go to, go to my servant. It may, be that, so it may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened. I could pause there for a second. And you think I'm going to admonish the men, but I'm not. Girls. When we don't trust God at his word, don't think that we aren't easily led to lead our husbands and our families into more disrepair for our families. She is not an isolated case. Let's go back to the beginning of Genesis with Eve. 
We need to be reminded constantly. If you need to put it somewhere that you're visually seeing it, I am in covenant. I am choosing to live and trust God with what he has said over my life. And I won't be found to say, God has closed it up. So let's try this awesome sinful way. This is what we do. This is what we do when we don't trust the covenant that God has made with us. I'll keep reading, girls. Just let that sink in. So Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan. That means they'd been waiting a while for this promise to be fulfilled already. Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, uh, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarai said to Abram, may the wrong done to me be on you. Now the house has trouble. Okay? Now she's blaming him for her stupid idea. Okay? I gave my servant to your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. I don't know, but that's not a great home to be having a dinner conversation around or be a fly on the wall at this time. There is now trouble. So this home that has become into covenant with God, and he has said, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. I'm going to make you the mother of many nations, and kings will come from you, are now saying, may God judge between you and me. (laughs) There is trouble in this house now. Sarai, uh, but Abram said to Sarai, behold, your servant is in your power. Do with you as her, do with her as you please. Then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and Haggai fled from her. Now she's added dealing harshly with someone. I'm pretty sure that we were called in the commandments to love the Lord your God and love others. But she's stepped into one. This is, this is how sin works. As we step into one, it will always lead to another. And it compounds. And this is why God said to Abraham, would you be found faithful and walk blameless before me in each decision, in each moment? I wonder why they found themselves in this position. But as I've been reflecting on this and reading these passages in Genesis, this is what I've concluded. I concluded it's not just that we love to take it on ourselves to make what God has said happen in our lives. I've concluded that deep down, there are things in our lives that we truly, honestly deem impossible, even for God. In Genesis 17, 15 to 17, I want to bring out just two passages about when God is speaking to Abraham. He's come back to remind him of the covenant that is made with him. And this is what happens. Genesis 17, 15 to 17 says, And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. 
Kings of peoples shall come from her. And then Abraham fell on his face and laughed. Did you catch that? I think that if, I would like to think, that's I would like to think that if God said to me, this is going to happen, I would respond like Mary when Gabriel come, say, be it according to your will. But I honestly think we, we tend to err like Abraham. And when God says something that is impossible, we fall on our face and laugh. We scoff. <laughs> right. Sure. I can't see how that's going to happen. <laughs> that's impossible. Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old, he says after he laughs? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? Next chapter, Genesis 18, verse 10 to 15, this is Sarah's response. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this year. This is the third mention of the covenant and the promise. I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years, and the way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself. She laughed. After I'm worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? So you can literally see God right now is challenging the laugh. He's challenging their disbelief. Do remember that right at the beginning of this story of Abraham, he has been declared the father of faith because he believed God at his word in the first mention. We're now at the third mention of this covenant. And moreover than that, it's not just God speaking to Abraham. There are three men at the tent, physically having a conversation with Abraham and Sarah at this time. And Sarah laughs. Shall I, uh, Sarah laughed and said, Shall I indeed bear a child for I am now old? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? At that appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. Sometimes we need to hear it the way it was said. No, but you did laugh. Actually, you're not trusting me at my word. I wonder this morning what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about this morning, that he's saying, You've laughed about this one. When it comes up, it's a big one, but you've laughed off going, that's impossible. That friendship that has been estranged for 15 years because there was a falling out. That, the bankruptcy and the promise of wealth, prosperity, a home, what is it that you have laughed about, that you've gone impossible? And then even maybe while sitting in church over the last 20 years, 
the Holy Spirit has brought it up and you've gone, I didn't laugh. (laughs) But he's saying to you today, no, but you did. You did. Your heart is saying it's impossible. It's impossible. It's impossible. Do you know, we are tempted sometimes to lie to cover the guilt of not trusting God at his word. When we have tried to fulfill his promises our way, with the exception of Jesus, the Bible never presented the great men and women of faith as faultless. Actually, they were quite flawed. But there comes a moment where we have to literally decide to believe God at his word. There comes a time when we have to have the faith to articulate this is broken and needs restoring. This is bound and needs liberation. This is fractured and needs healing. There comes a time where we literally need to lay down all of the ways that we have been trying to make it happen in our strength. There comes a time when we need to say, I'm sorry, God, for not believing you at your word and for dismissing it with a, that could never happen. We even do this by justifying it with the story of how it became broken. We can justify it with the, this is everything that went on in that relationship. And so, of course it's impossible. But this passage says to me that, or throws out the question to Abraham and Sarah, is there anything that is impossible for the Lord? Is there anything in your life that is impossible for the Lord? No, there is nothing, nothing impossible I love that so graciously the Lord's response to Sarah right here when she laughs is, is there anything too hard for me? That's what he says to her. That's not what I would have said to her. (laughs) I would have loved to tell her how faithless she is. The power of the third mention. Do you know this, this, this time in which God says this, is there nothing to hard or impossible for me, is the third time that God has come back to Abraham and Sarah and has reminded them of the covenant that they are walking in with him. And this represents in the Bible, if you didn't know this, there is significance around different numbers and the significance around the number three or the third mention when he repeats himself. It represents divine wholeness completeness and perfection. There are things in your world that the Holy Spirit has brought up and brought up and brought up and brought up because his desire for your life in that area is wholeness. It is completeness and it's perfection. I wonder what we'd have the faith for this morning to believe that God would do in our lives. When I read through New Testament eyes, we can see the image of the Trinity here. It is clear that all three of them are present and yet it seems they speak as one because it says this, then the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. He just says it. 
I will surely return and she will have a son. We have to put our faith and trust in that God can do the impossible in our life. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 8, as I close this morning, says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Here in Proverbs, is doing exactly the same as what he's doing with Abraham and Sarah. And it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment for your body. Do you know the theme of faith, love, and hope this year has been see what God can do through you. The thing that I find absolutely astounding, and if you're new to faith and you don't yet know this uh, fact about Abraham and Sarah... But Abraham and Sarah were called to be the father and the mother of all nations. So they were the beginning of the line of Christ. All peoples of faith came from them who feared God. It started with them. They could never have known as they were walking this journey of barrenness, waiting for the promise, while they're being tested in the covenant that they have made with God, they could never have known that believing God at his word would do the impossible, not just in their world, but would begin the lineage of grace for all mankind, ending with this passage from Luke 1, verse 26 to 37, with the glaringly obvious markers in the story. The passage is titled, The Birth of Jesus Foretold. And it says this, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favoured one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for I have found, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob, who is Abraham's grandson. And of this kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How would this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. I wonder this morning if we would have the faith to believe that the Holy Spirit would come upon you and that the power of the Most High would overshadow you in whatever situation you're facing today. Therefore, the child, therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, who is in her old age, has also conceived a son. At the time that Jesus is literally being announced to this planet, the same miracle is being performed 
not once but twice, not one with a woman who is well past her time of bearing a son. And she is in her sixth month with the child, and her name was called Barren. This is what it says at the end of this passage. For nothing will be impossible with God. That's what Gabriel says to Mary. Not only will it be with you, but Elizabeth, your cousin, who is in her old age, just like Sarah. And that man, John the Baptist, will come and declare the coming of the Messiah, a saviour for you and I. I wonder if Abraham and Sarah knew all of those years before that when they stepped into trusting God and believing that he was the God of the impossible, that the possible would be made for all mankind through their lineage. And I wonder today, through your impossible situation, through the area in your world that is barren, it could be finances, it could be health, it could be relationships. There may be in your family and in your friendships where you see a huge lot of people who are not yet in covenant with God, not following Him. That there is not a future with the Lord yet. In your area, I wonder just what God wants to do in your impossible situation that doesn't just bring Him glory when it is made possible in your generation, but generations to come in your family, in your workplace, in the families in your workplace. I just wonder, because we are here for just a time. Abraham and Sarah were there for just a time, but God performed something impossible that made something absolutely uncomprehensible happen for you and I. And that was Jesus, a Saviour. So I'm going to ask you right now, if you have the faith to believe for something absolutely impossible, that you've maybe not articulated and put on that cross, I'm going to want to give you an opportunity right now to do so. At the back of the auditorium is our amazing team and they've got some of these prayer requests and praise reports and pens. And if you would love to respond to this message this morning and say, there is something I need to believe. I need to simply trust that God can do because I've been working hard at it or scoffed and deemed it impossible. But with the Holy Spirit prompting this morning, I'm gonna choose faith. I'm gonna choose to believe Him at His word and that something incredible can be done through this act of faith as I step out and I give it to Him. Right now, I'm gonna ask if that's you, would you just slip your hand up and the team is gonna, gonna hand these out there. There are hands going up all over the auditorium. Thank you, yes. Whether you filled one out last Sunday, the Holy Spirit might be saying, would you have the faith for this? Would you have the faith for that? Would you have the faith for this? Would you have the faith? Some of you just need to articulate something that is impossible, that has been too hard to say. Too hard to say. But there's power in releasing that to the hands of Jesus and letting the Holy Spirit do His best work.
Instead of being intimidated by a seemingly impossible position or situation, this morning let it motivate you to pray more, believe more, trust more, wait more, expect more, and depend more on God. For He is found faithful to His promises. And so I pose to you the question asked in this passage, is there anything impossible for God? No. With God, all things are possible. Would you close your eyes this morning? Father, right now, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the faith that has been stirred within hearts this morning. I pray for such a boldness this morning as people choose today to step into covenant or are reminded of the covenant that they have with you today. I pray, God, that you would give them such a boldness of faith to believe that they can trust you with their impossible. That they don't need to sort it out, you will sort it out. That they don't need to dismiss it or hide it, you will sort it out. Your plan for them is good. It is a plan to prosper them. It is a plan for a hope and a future. It's a plan designed for freedom. It's a plan designed for oppression to be lifted. It's a plan designed to reconcile. It's a plan for the impossible to become possible. And so today, God, we step into believing your word together. And we choose to remind ourselves of the covenant we've made with you that you are our God and we will faithfully believe in you and walk in your ways.